keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. We got a big show. Uh, Scott and Robert are here. Robert are here. But we've also got uh, Dan Barry. Hey. Comic. He's a wrestler. As a wrestler, he was trained by Mikey Whipwreck, former CCW champion. You were also Noel Foley's trainer and fought and fought Kevin Steen, aka Kevin Owens, and the Bucks. So, yeah, yeah. he's he in a locker yeah. room or in the ring. Uh, uh, no, no, the, uh, not much fighter in the locker room. Yeah, no, in the ring, I had a, uh, a nice uh, six man tag against them, and they uh, they beat the crap out of me. So it was good. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, oh, that's a good time. I mean, even just we'll just start off with the wrestling question. Who was the uh, physically hardest person to work with? Okay, so physically hardest is it hitting the hardest, or physically hardest in like nightmare to work with? Uh, no, hitting the hardest. Like where you? Oh, uh, uh, well, Drew Galloway was pretty hard. Uh, that's a yeah, big old boy. Uh, he's a good dude. Like him a lot, but uh, at one point he got me in the corner one time. And we were wrestling, whatever. He gets me in the corner. I wore I used to wear like a Hawaiian shirt uh, yeah. as part of a gimmick, and uh, he ran over and grabbed my shirt. And he goes, "I'll buy you a new one." And I'm like, "What?" He just Pour it off me and just like, lit me up, and I was like, I was I was wearing this because I'm fat, man. I don't I don't. Not doing this, this is no. this is the yeah, the gimmick is I don't want to eat salads. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's honestly it's cardio sucks. Um, Tim Thatcher was another one awesome. real hard. I mean, he's a great wrestler, but yeah, it looks like it hurts. Like a he's a he's, he wants it. so I wrestled with me and my old tag partner against him and Johnny Gargano. And yeah. he had. By the my way, partner. you don't have. I'm sorry, you don't have any headphones or something, right? I can hear you. It's just a little. Uh, is it bad? Let me see. No, it's not bad. It's not bad. I hear you real well. It's not bad. He sounds uh, good. His indoctrination in the show is mid-sentence. Dan interrupting him. That's Dan's gimmick. <laughs> yeah, Dan is a fan of stopping things and not editing them out, <laughs> hey, and man, then continuing with the no train? change. All right, I'm the train conductor. I'm on. We're on the Polar Express right now, bro. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry, no, uh, no, I don't. I have nothing. So sorry. And what's the worst? Okay. What's the worst? Re- and what was the most nightmarish to work with? Who was the most uh, nightmarish to work with? Uh, I wrestled this guy. His name was like Lit. He was from Ring of Honor. But he was like. <laughs> And like um he's in special K and uh he was just like a he's kind of like Teddy Hart's lackey. Oh, that's, that's not a good place to be. He, nice, really nice guy, but like we had the match and oh boy, on, uh he he uh he started doing this thing called a forearm scrape, which is just like him, like oh, it God. just looked like he was rubbing his arm on my face. Uh, and I remember being like in Jersey All Pro at the time, just like staring out into the crowd, like, this is my life. I have to pretend. This man rubbing his forearm on my face is what's gonna kill me right now. So. <laughs> Who could have been worse? You could have been in there with Joey Ryan, and he'd be rubbing something else. Uh, I have wrestled Joey Ryan numerous times. Uh, he who shall not be named. And uh, yeah, uh, actually, I had a match with him, and Dave Meltzer came up to me and told me how great the match was and how happy he was to see me working with Joey Ryan. And so now, 
Dave Meltzer, you ever have that over your head? That you that's actually, that's actually the only way he can come. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Uh, <laughs> who was Just like ones and zeros come out? All right, last question, then we'll get to the show. Uh, mm. But like you know, you always hear these rumors that Kane is the softest worker in the sense that like when he gives you a choke slam, he's basically placing you right in the middle of the ring. So what was it like? It just didn't even like you're like, oh, this is like the easiest. This is just a walk in the park right now as far as physical pain. Kevin Steen. Kevin Owens is pretty light. It was really you feel like you're gonna be like there's moments, like there's a lot of light wrestlers, but I remember being he was the one that surprised me because you see him yeah. with like El Generico and like all this stuff, and he's killing people. And I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna get lit up. Um he was literally one of the easiest people. He did have a sleeper hold suplex over the top of his head, and I was like, I thought I was gonna die, and I was like, Oh, that was easy. <laughs> I feel yeah. good. Wow. Well, that's amazing. I mean, he's on the he... young bucks. Kudos to Young Bucks. They've never, I've eaten a lot of super kicks and they've all just lightly grazed my face, which is very wow. nice. Well, that's awesome. All right. Well, let's get to the show. Before that, a little show business. Uh, next week, we are back in the roast, folks. We're doing the roast of Sid. Uh, I, I called an audible. I'm going to get rid of our December 9th roast and instead replace it with the roast of Jeff Jarrett. We just we just have to right now in, in light of everything that's going on. December 23rd, the roast of Mr. T. November, our November Patreon, I'm doing this deep dive into Juana Barraza this week, who is the Lucha serial killer. I had a ton of fun researching this. We're doing the roast of Tony Khan. After that, we're off for Thanksgiving. December, we're going to be doing uh, Brian Goertz's There's Just One Problem, In Your House 5, Ms. Santa's Little Helper, the roast of Barry Horowitz, and Robert and I are talking about possibly a Patreon holiday party this year. For you guys, I mean, maybe we'll do the Wrestle Rose Awards. We'll probably just do that on the show, but we'll uh, we'll be able to have some fun, you know, have an edible, drink a little eggnog, hang out <laughs> with you guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get that plug in now to kind of clarify what what Dan was was saying. There is if you are a member of our Patreon this December, one of those weeks, we're gonna do a live Patreon episode where you're all invited to attend. We did a live show around Mania time. That was an additional cost. This is not an additional cost. This is our Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, it's whatever Christmas the party. gift to you. Not allowed to say that, Scott. It's not You're going to offend holiday. people. It's not holiday an episode. People. It's a Christmas party. I, look, I'm in DeSantis world right now. I'm not allowed to say Hanukkah. I'm not even allowed to admit that I'm Jewish or they're going to round me Jewish up. People? But I know he hates gay people, but I didn't know he hates Jewish people. Eh, anything that's not good at sports, he's not a big fan of. So <laughs> we're we're all fucked. Hey, but if you played on a ton of practice squads. All I'm saying is if you're thinking about, hey, should I join the Patreon before the year is up? You should. You come join it. The live show, always a blast. We're going to do uh, what we did last year, which is our – uh, cameo secret Santas where each one of us gets a cameo of a wrestler for another one on the show. Last year was a blast. There was some Vince Russo. There was some Bret Hart. It was great. Going to be part of Scotty the, uh, the Meltzer, Patreon man. thing. That's, an, that's, you know, yes. we got to get Scotty Melt. We got to get Scotty Meltzer for the fans. You know, we have, like, we have for us, you know what I mean? Like, we'll do our cameos, but. I will do everything I can to get a live Scotty Meltzer juggle uh, for that show. Uh, if uh, if we wind up doing this, oh, man. Uh, he's yeah. already done one. I really for hope you forty dollars, Robert. I really do. Uh, let's get to our show this week. We're gonna start out with premium current events. Hunter, uh, Triple H, and, and kind of his first big Vince move. 
Uh, Austin Theory tried to cash in during the Seth Rollins Bobby Lashley United States Championship match. So he's already cashing in the United States Championship, a secondary title that's never been done before. And then he fucking loses in an effort to make Seth Rollins a babyface. I have my opinions on it. But first, let's talk to WWE mole Robert Karpolis. What did you think of this? I think what Hunter did was absolutely fantastic. You can cash at me later, Hunter. Um, it was the honestly, it was the right decision. I, I, I talked, I, I, I saw it. I saw your text, Dan. You were very upset. At the end of the day, there were two outcomes that were going to happen for for Austin Theory with this Money in the Bank briefcase. He was either going to hold it and eventually cash in on Cody after Cody wins and then lose pretty quickly, uh, or this path here where you needed to unburden him from having that briefcase. Like Hunter was stuck with the creative that Vince wrote. Theory is not ready for that position in the company. The fans know that. So there was no threat with having that Money in the Bank briefcase out there. He wasn't going to cash in on Roman. He wasn't going to beat Roman. It was a prop that he was bringing out there, and it wasn't really elevating him. They've used that before with with Baron Corbin, with Damian Sandow, where the character fades into the background, and it just becomes about he has the the briefcase. Mm -hmm. By cashing in on someone that's not a world champion, you've now opened the door that that's a possibility – and Theory losing here to Seth as a catalyst to make Seth more of a babyface character on Raw uh, is going to give Theory something else to to work with beyond just, I carry the briefcase, I was Vince's guy, Vince is gone, and now I have no direction going forward. The hope is this will lead to an evolution of his character and not just we're punishing Theory and he's going to go away and never be on TV anymore. Dan Barry, are you this glass is half full? Uh, it's a kind of a mixed bag because I think that at the end of the day, one of the things they have to acknowledge is that everyone on the internet and everyone in the world seems to know that a theory was uh Vince's right hand man or Vince's pick to be the next guy. So to me, it's the idea of taking it off of them using Hunter as like that sort of guy is like a great way to like say, like, oh, we're dethroning, but it also gives theory a little bit of an edge. My issue is, is that in an open challenge match, he cashed in the money in the bank. Like he didn't, it just seems stupid. It seemed like a waste of the opportunity. Like I agree, cat. if you want to cash in a secondary belt, 100%. It's a cool opportunity. Something nobody's really doing. Uh, he might've seen it as an opportunity that he- Maybe he have could, another uh, money in the bank. Maybe What's have that? like a shorter ladder money in the bank for the United States <laughs> yeah. Championship. It's a step ladder. It's underneath <laughs> yeah. the ring. It's actually- It's a step ladder. It's over- It's a scavenger ball. hunt. Um, <laughs> but- you know, it just seems like it was, uh, you know, it was a, it was just like a, it was a quick way to get it off of him, and it developed nothing for our theory. Like it get unburdens him, yes, but like what's next? And he looks like a, a dick moving forward. Like that's that's the only problem is they kind of buried him. Yeah, they kind of buried him, Scott. Where, where yeah, do you I, on this. I mean, I think if he played off a little more hot headed, and I know that's part of it is like, oh, Austin Theory's hot headed, and that's why this happened. If it was more defined as like that, that's his character, uh, this would have made way more sense, and he wouldn't have looked like a buffoon. He would have looked like his character, which is fine. I mean, the truth is, he sh- he he would have lost the Money in the Bank match anyway, right? If it was for a title, there's no way he's ready for a championship. Um, you could have there be a funny little moment with Roman, but people would call that a squash too, right? And yeah, so well, the one good thing Roman, is no. I think 
he is in a better position because of this. Does he look like a fool for a night? Yeah. But now you just have to play off of uh, he is hot-headed. He did fuck up. And because of this, this is where his character goes, whether he gets angrier and more determined or, um, you know, I think if it was Vince World, one, I don't think he would have lost this. But if he did lose it, it would have been become like a uh, a comedy act of like, watch how depressed he is, like a Baron Corbin situation, you know? Do you think Hunter in this way was trying to kill Vince? Or No, no. I think that's like it's like the simplest way of looking at it. I think it's this is to save theory, like no doubt. It's to save him. I mean, maybe he's trying um, to buy either. I mean, there's two ways to save him, right? It's like rebuild him however you want, because this way wasn't working anyway. Um, or it's the marks will think that Triple H is burying him. And every time someone, you know, the, the public thinks someone's being buried, they become Brian Danielson. So uh, so Hunter's so Hunter's leaning into his the inner Tony Khan. Yeah, yeah Triple H is, be, you know, I agree because, with look, Dan on this. Bar Baron Corbin was not was not given that Brian Danielson treatment. Like this is not fair. Like I think sure, that, sure, sure, but I, I get think B that's, team excitement. That's under Vince. I think under Triple H, um, having the storyline of oh, this was Vince's guy, and now that Vince is gone, he's in the dirt. You know, you can perceive that in a storyline way of like, yeah. This is what I think, happened. I think Trips is the one who hired him, right? So like Trips hired him. Well, so NXT, yeah, yeah. They all like, like they unwind by watching bodybuilding contests, and I think. Oh yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. All. Triple H loves him, <laughs> and not just loves him. I also think Triple H loves his father-in-law so much that I promise you, he's going to make Austin Theory a star in the next few years, and. Whether it's like, oh, this is, you know, the one last person Vince had his eye on, like that's important to them. Like, let's not pretend they don't love Vince and aren't going to try to honor him uh, every chance they get in a few years, whenever whatever this documentary comes out and everything blows over. It's like they're going to want Vince's chosen guy to eventually succeed. I mean, the briefcase did its job. You know, Hunter is trying to correct Vince's decision of we need to push this guy to the moon and, and make him a big star, but good, bad, or indifferent from the minute he stole that stupid golden egg, Austin theory became a top player on raw. And even without the briefcase, he's now one of the talks of wrestling. It's like, what's going to happen with him. They're going to leverage that they're putting him in the ring with talented guys. I had him in there with Shelton Benjamin this week, who I think the world of and think is incredibly talented. Um, you put him in there with Seth and now a motivated story going forward. He's only going to get better. And now that pressure is off of when are you going to cash in the briefcase? They can, they can ease back a little bit course, correct and do what's going to be better for him long-term rather than keeping that albatross around his neck. Yeah, I don't know. I think you should have just gone with it. Maybe I just have. But what maybe, does gone with it mean? Uh, well, maybe I just got worked, you know. Um, I don't know. Like Robert, <laughs> had one, Robert had this one idea where where Cody goes over Roman at Mania and then he cashes in. He, he mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but I mean, maybe you have him win or you have him lose. Either way, then he's even more of a tippy top guy. But you're right. I mean, this could, you know, kind of reverse psychology into hunter has yet to really screw anything up yet in his tenure it would be a little odd if this decision Just was JBL. totally out of the blue with the exception of jbl baron corbin being on my television other than that he's been pitching a near a near perfect game no a, a pretty boring game 
But yes, there's no no one's winning or losing yet. But goddamn, this game is going on and happening. Oh, there's some great stuff with WWE. There's a few great things. You know, I mean, obviously, I think match quality's improved. I'm a big fan of match quality improving. Yeah, match quality's yeah, improved a lot. And just um focus on on title like you know the titles. I think they're yeah they're getting Gunther like Dominic stuff and you know Ray Dominic stuff is fun. So it wasn't Crown Jewel was a really fun show from top to bottom. I I think that you can't look at that show and question any moment that they had and and having the, the the foresight to trust uh you know Logan Paul in there with Roman. It felt like a major major event. Uh, for a, a show that they clearly just do because they're getting paid 60-something million dollars to do it. So he knows what a big show... SummerSlam felt like a big show. Clash of the Castle felt like a big show. Raw being just a weekly show where there's moments that are good, but you, you got to sit through the entirety of the three hours is okay because nothing happened on it that was truly, what the hell am I watching, terrible. Uh, and that's, a for me, a massive massive improvement to a lot of what i've sat through in the past but i, I will say to scott's point like it doesn't have the what's gonna happen at aw you know like the the oh shit i haven't seen this but we'll get to that later on number two what about braun uh i don't know if you guys <laughs> read this fucking twitter exchange this uh i mean holy sh- if 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 like ryback could be a twitter exchange this was it but like it was it was out of this world he was like already like on the defensive about his match i thought his match was fine then you know mustafa ali just destroyed him on twitter with with a tweet that was can you help me get fired or can you show me how to get fired they went back and forth Osprey, you know it's bad when Osprey is making good points uh, on Twitter because for he's awesome in the ring, but Jesus Christ, the guy's kind of lame on social media. Uh, yeah, I mean this was as a wrestler, Dan. Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think about Braun and like this whole like his whole like I don't know like defying an indie scene that's never given him shit at all. It it blows me away because like he came in, he was this big monster, and people kind of like like all like his big monster, and he would do like kind of like kind of cool stuff, and people were like, yeah. oh yeah, like look at that, like he does the running drop kick thing out of nowhere. But like this is somebody coming home from school gra- bragging about getting a C, and then making fun of everyone else who gets B's and A's. Like it was a <laughs> good match. It was perfectly yeah. acceptable wrestling. They did everything they were supposed to do, but Logan Paul blew his ass out of the water. And Logan Paul yeah. been wrestling for what six months? Like you got to be kidding me! Yeah. Like it's sort of a, and then he like his whole thing like uh, I used to bag groceries too. It's like well, do you, Brody King wrote like well, do you still bag your own groceries? Like how do you like put your groceries away? Like it's just a stupid. He, he just, just has he, he just has Professor stuff. Nutter Butter like come to his back into his house every day in a Brinks truck. The control your narrative was failing before he even left. There's a reason he went back to WWE. Like it's not. This yeah. isn't like he was like this brainchild of pro wrestling. Like he, <laughs> he just thinks he's better people because he's been told he's big and he thinks that's better. Like when you grow up in the backwoods, you're the biggest guy there. Like I imagine people think you're amazing, but like B plus player. <laughs> that's these, well, these yeah. Players. There's just something you know. It. I remember it starting during the pandemic. Uh, around the time a lot of people were getting let go, or was it right before people? Were oh getting yeah, it was let that go? black? It was that Black Friday or whatever. And Braun was shitting on people though, 
um, about, oh, no, no, no. First, he was shitting on during the pandemic uh, indie wrestlers starting GoFundMes and whatnot, right? Because all these indie yeah. shows were uh, shutting down. And you remember how crazy all that was, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and he was he was mocking, you know, wrestlers for doing that. And then he gets fired. And I think while he's fired, he apologizes, you know, for what he said and stuff. But then he gets rehired and, yeah, completely forgets that he was fired and not valued at all because what do you do with a guy like that other than put him, you know, let him walk around and know he's big. Uh, you know, the main okay, event fast forward to Dynamite. Like, no, look, I don't agree that a Jeff Jarrett should be shitting on him randomly, uh, especially comparing jo- – they're both dumb giants that aren't too impressive, right? Uh, as giants are. That's not their fault. It's God's, right? He wants them <laughs> to not be capable of proper movement and stuff. Yeah, um, sitting down is going to be a struggle for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Medicine, science, we're trying our best to, to uh, you know, keep them alive <laughs> as, as long as we can. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know has, like, has he responded to Jared yet? I don't think he's allowed no, to tweet I, right Yeah, now. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I think he has heat. So that's that's like the big thing happening as we're recording this is more and more people are talking about that there is like legit backstage heat on him where we might see some sort of um, whatever on screen punishment or just a lack of him on TV for what a week. But Job that's Mustafa Ali. Job him to Mustafa Ali. That's <laughs> well, you know the thing is, it's like yeah, it's like he talks this shit, and then you have someone like Ricochet that has to call him out. Ali, who who calls him out. Uh, Osprey, not in the company, but calling him out and being like, you know, no one is is even like talking to you. No one was shitting on your match, and you just go ahead and do this odd thing. It, well, what's friend, frustrating? Though. What's frustrating about it is. This is kind of what, you know, I, I was very critical of Tony Khan for the last, I don't know, let's say 11 months or so in the way he's handled a lot of the talent related stuff that in WWE, you kind of know how to behave versus how to not behave when you're in public um, or you're going to get in trouble. And Braun was behaving the way he's been like out in the wild as opposed to being back in WWE. He had one competent match with with Omos where, quite frankly, the guy who looked better out of that was Omos. It was the first match that Omos showed he can wrestle with personality versus just I'm tall. He's like, oh, he's starting to put it together. And it almost felt like Braun was insecure about it because people were not shitting on the match online. It wasn't, what the fuck was this? This is terrible. It was, hey, this was actually pretty good. It was a throwback. It was it was not going to be a 15-star match. It but was fine. It, it was, was fine. fine. And yet he just wanted to go, and he wanted to go pick fights. And the smart thing is, if you're the heel and you're picking fights with Ricochet, hey, I got a match for SmackDown this week. I'm going to want to put those graphics on the screen, and I'm going to see Ricochet versus Braun. And in some way, shape, or form, either Ricochet is going to pin him or Braun's going to murder him to the point where it's uncomfortable, and now he's a monster heel. If that was the plan, great. That was not the plan. Braun's your babyface who was actually getting thrown around, and he's picking fights with people where he just looks foolish and the company's not going to put up with that and i think scott to your point that's why there's going to be swift disciplinary action it's this shit doesn't fly here and if this is how you're going to behave we will gladly fire you a second time because the show was not dramatically lacking because braun Strowman wasn't there yeah no one no one no one went to crown jewel bought the pay-per-view for 
for Braun versus Omos. Let's just be honest. Like, no, half the people okay. that went to Crown Jewel had to go because their husbands were going. They can't be left home alone. <laughs> they would be when proud. you were saying there was nothing bad on that show, I was like, well, the fact that they ran it was kind of the bad thing. <laughs> Outside of the fact that they yeah. are enabling uh, a crazy propaganda machine Robert for the lesser of two evils. at the press conference for <laughs> Prince Mohammed. I think they'd be just as happy with like an Andre hologram. Like, you know, like uh, the Tupac hologram, just have Andre. They don't even need that. Get the guy who plays him on Young Rock. Yeah. They're not going to know the difference. No, just have him wave. Don't don't even run an angle. They tried to book Yokozuna for that show once. Yeah. Yeah, So then they just booked some heavy, heavy uh, Japanese man, right? (laughs) It's so fucking funny, man. Uh, Do you know anybody who works with Braun, Dan? Or like. They worked with him? That works with him? I mean. Is he is he just have nuclear heat backstage right now? So so what's funny is like he's actually like done a lot of really good things for people. Like he's like yeah. a very charitable person. He's a very nice guy. He's just an idiot. Like it's <laughs> it's a football player's like mentality of like like bash the nerds or whatever. Like it's like yeah. you never he watched Revenge Some of the football Nerds. Players are very the smart. So much smarter than him. But yeah. What's that? I mean, some football players are so much smarter than him. You know, it's not even yeah. Some ducks are much smarter than him, but they, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's rough. he has opposable thumbs. <laughs> yeah, he's rough. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into dynamite or dud. I actually thought there's a lot of great stuff on this show but all right hour one the acclaimed and ftr versus ass boys and the gun club a fucking stellar ass mjf promo a malcolm bivens program promo which i think was meant to swerve us a little bit at least according to Meltzer, and he's always right ethan page versus eddie kingston in the world title eliminator tournament and wardlow issued an open challenge which one of the trust brothers uh accepted and was abruptly squashed with a, a Samoa Joe turning on Braun. I mean, shit, well, same difference. Turning on turning on Wardlow at the end of the match. Dan, what do you think of this first hour? Uh, if I were to be honest, I'll, I'll talk about the high points first. I really liked most of the matches. Like, everything except that Wardlow match, I, I thought was pretty good. I thought that yep. they all went out there, they did what they're supposed to do. Um, I think that the, you know, people are going to look at the, Kingston match probably lower than everybody else's, but I think it was a decent fight that had a solid finish. Um, I hated Wardlow's match. I hated it. There's no really? purpose for it. We're done squashing people. Move on. You have to have actual. I've seen you have real matches with people. I've seen you have like back and forth fights with people smaller than you. And yet now it's like, oh, we're back to power moment people. It's added nothing. It's just something he does now. And I feel like, you know, it's cool. Like, they added the, you know, Davari trying to hand off Jeeves K and whatnot, but yeah, I, I don't think that that was the the moment that we needed. I think it was just, you know, we have to set up this next program where Samoa Joe gets, uh, you know, turns heel, I guess, or gets mad at him. Yeah, well, and I think the biggest fail of the first hour, even more than the match, to me is that they didn't get Joe hitting him in the back, like they didn't. Oh, yeah. They didn't get the shot of him hitting it. And it's just, it's like, how many times does that have to happen? Uh, because it feels like at least bi-weekly, they miss a moment. They always miss a moment. The cameras. It's and it's like personal, like Nitro, like they're trying to be like, oh, anything could happen. No, no, no. You want to get that shot. I mean, it doesn't even make I, sense. I know you it's want the crazy. Tony Khan money, Dan, but no, that's not, uh, that wasn't the case there. Uh, 
in the slightest, especially because, and my, my other note, and I'm glad you called it out, Scott, was the blocking of Wardlow talking with Joe behind him. The camera guy was trying so hard to frame Joe that as soon as they had that shot, I'm like, oh, Joe's turning on him right here because they held on it for so long and then missed the moment. So well, they did that last week, though, and and this you know, was, was like, this was this, deluxe yeah, well, amateur hour, and it's and you're there. The guy who's directing it is a former WWE director who knows better, and you know what's it's again, it's not a total surprise. You kind of knew what was going to happen in the segment, and you knew what moment you were waiting for, and it was so telegraphed, and then they still cut away from it. It's completely inexcusable uh, for a a major national television show you don't have that level of a fuck up and it happens so much that we constantly talk about it and it takes you away from the moment. I think the textbook attack from behind too is what the problem is, is that it was textbook. Everything about it was textbook. And then they missed the textbook explanation point. Uh, So no, I think it's, I think it's kind of atrocious, but I also, it was kind of a waste of a segment. It didn't need to happen. You didn't need it for the show. It was kind of just there, Um, you know, salt and pepper, you know, that's all it was. Yeah, sorry, Scott, Robert, you, did you what, finish? What did you think, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do you think of the first hour? So there was a lot to like in the first hour, I think, because there's other stuff that I had listed in the first hour that you're pushing in the second. So we'll we'll shift it. But that's fine. Uh, the opening eight man crowd was happy. And I, and the reason the acclaimed work, I know this is shocking for Johnny Khan. They're on every week. There's a continuity to what they're doing. And the audience wants to see them. They want to be a part of it. And you're giving them what they want. You're giving the gun club reps in there with other guys who are really, really good. It's helpful for everybody. The MJF thing was was excellent because it wasn't an arena where he had to pretend to be a babyface because we know he's not. We know where this is going. But he was able to get his his points out there clearly. He built why this is an important match. It was as honest and truthful a promo as there was going to be without any distractions or bells or whistles. It was filmed well. This was excellent. And then there was that Stokely thing eight seconds later, which I've been saying for weeks, this is going to end with, ha, 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 we were all working together. And then they overly telegraph it by immediately cutting to Stokely and being like, I thought you were my friend, Max. You're a piece of shit and I'll see you in hell. Like, all right, well, now I can save my money on full gear or using Scott's whatever bullshit bootleg website to I watch it. Dude, I think it's going to be Regal, Regal turning on him. Regal joining MJF. I don't Well, we'll see what it is. It's definitely going to involve Stokely and the firm helping him there. That's where they're going. Uh, Ethan Page and Eddie Kingston was a solid match, but Excalibur went so far in the how heated this rivalry has been for the last 12 years where they've wrestled in AIW and AAW and matches that maybe a couple hundred people saw that doesn't mean anything to the main audience who's watching it. This was a problem like NXT when they had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn pretended like they didn't have their massive rivalry. So you were seeing something that felt fresh, even though they know how to do those paces. If I didn't know these guys had 10 years together and I saw this chemistry, I'm like, wow, there's something really to build on. But Excalibur can't help himself. Like, I am well aware of the fact that this happened somewhere else at some other point in time. I don't know that it helps the overall audience. Uh, The Dark Order and teacher on Halloween, doesn't he? He just looks like yes. a public school teacher on Halloween <laughs> every time with a mask. And the- that's Matt Stryker most of the year. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the Dark Order and Roosh, I don't I don't need to see those guys on TV. I didn't mind the Aria squash so much because it was a squash leading to an angle, but the overall execution, the angle, 
Wardlow's promo, they need to work with him on promos a little more because it was a heel promo. It was Hobbs, finally a suitable opponent and somebody I can beat because I can beat everybody. I'm like, well, you're kind of a dick and now I want to see you lose. And you're talking shit about going after all the champions when Joe's in the ring. I get that you want to make him a baby face. It just felt. I, I want Powerhouse to win, man. I'm rooting for Powerhouse. God yeah, but man. who are you rooting for? Are you rooting for a Powerhouse Hobbs Wardlow feud or a Joe Wardlow feud? You finally gave Wardlow a feud that you want to see, and now he's got another feud. I'm rooting for both of those guys, but, but mostly Powerhouse Hobbs. Joking. Well, well, I think what you do is you make it a triple threat match at, um, oh, at full God. gear. Yeah, the Joe versus uh, Wardlow versus. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah but and there's a four way for the for the world for the title, Ring of Honor right? title. Yeah, I yeah. know, I know. But so, you literally had a great like Wardlow has not had a signature feud as champion. Yeah, He's had I, like one-off matches. Like, I want to see him in Powerhouse Hobbs. There's a story there. It makes sense. It's compelling. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to turn Joe because now I want to see Wardlow and Joe, or theoretically as a fan, that's what you want to see, when this was Hobbs's big moment to be a breakout heel and instead, he's now the secondary guy in this storyline. And that kind of sucks for him because he really, he has something to him. And these guys, if built well, uh, could be a great feud for the future. Sure. I think or or put Joe's power. title on the line, you know, or this is an excuse to have Joe interfere so Hobbs can win. And then at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, you have Joe versus Wardlow for the Ring of Honor television title. But I say you combine the titles and then stop doing Ring of Honor, but that's not happening. So... Christmas is ruined. <laughs> I think we do a four way. I think we do a four way with the with Wardlow, uh, Wardlow, Joe, Hobbs, and Davari because Davari really needs that win back. And I really think. It's <laughs> but does he put the Butler on the line? That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm there for. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 everyone comes in with a title except except for Hobbs, and he gets to offer up uh, Jeeves K as the, the win, and then whoever wins gets everything. I love, love that it. you know his name. That's the most impressive part of this whole thing. I, his name is, I'm friends with him. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. 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 Dude, my, you know, like, I, I just think that him and that gimmick in the college gimmick in NXT, that dude, it just, it just feels like we've seen Cameron Grimes do it well, you know? So now we're like watching these guys just kind of bomb with it. Damn, we've seen Tony Khan do it well. <laughs> Tony Khan, Tony Khan's living the gimmick. Uh, hour two, Soraya had a promo with Britt Baker. She's back to wrestling. She's going to be at full gear. Uh, there was a there was a point where the factory was backstage and they were paying them off. It was a Jeff. J- oh, it's brutal. Um, Jay Lethal versus Trent Beretta. Jeff Jarrett promo. Jungle Boy promo backstage. A Moxley promo in the ring. And Daniel uh, Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara in a two out of three falls match. Scott, what do you think of the second hour? Scott, Scott you're on mute. Silent. Okay, my bad, my bad. So, uh, what what I what I just said for the last ten seconds was, uh, I didn't really talk about the first hour, but I did love the first hour. I loved the tag match. I thought the MJF promo was like, man, that shit was iconic to me. That's just like give him the title, uh, tomorrow. It it's just he needs it, even if he shows up twice a year. He's that good. Um, so I loved that. I even liked the Stokely thing, even though I thought it gave away the result to the Kingston page match, but Hey, what are you going to do? I already talked about the warlord thing. So, okay. Yeah. Second hour, man. Uh, I did like the, um, the, the, the women's back and forth, um, 
not not the match uh, on the mic. Soraya, is that how you say it? Soraya, Soraya. Soraya, um, I believe. Yeah, she, uh, it was back and forth for her where I was like, wow, I loved what she just said. And then I was like, wow, that's actually the heel thing to say. And so it's weird when you have these WWE, ex-WWE people coming in, right? Punk did it where it's like, you haven't done anything. And then it's like, well, what does that mean then? Because I thought we're we're acting like that place isn't the only place that you're that means anything, right? Um, and she did a little bit of that. She said she wrestled at the Tokyo Dome, which is like not true. I think she wrestled at like Ria Ria Goku Sumo she Hall. She wrestled at Sumo Hall. She actually corrected right, yeah. that on Twitter though. She did. Oh, say she, she did. Okay. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she was just fired up. I wrestled at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. yeah. I've done. I've been there. I've said that in, well, wait, in the heat wasn't of an there, argument. You know, there trying to one up someone. There was a Raw in Japan. May, they may have been. And all right, um, all right, Melter, calm down. <laughs> well, Tokyo Dome is like a it's a dome, it's a very big place, you know. You don't do a raw there. Um, but anyway, uh thank god it hasn't been changed to like the Sapporo Dome, you know. Oh yeah, you know that's yeah. happening. The a Nintendo brand of toothpaste dome. or something, yeah. yeah. Nintendo Dome would, would attract a whole different type of company. <laughs> Damn, mainly just Kenny Omega. But but that's okay. So then, other than that, in that first hour, I didn't like much of anything. Even the, the the end, that last match, I am so disheartened by the Ring of Honor, Jericho title picture. The any emphasis on Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor being the main event of a match. Brian Danielson having to give a shit about Ring of Honor, but like not even really. Like he's not even. It's just like it all feels very half-assed and you're getting a great match, but you don't care. I, I didn't care about uh, a Sammy Danielson match, and that really sucks because Danielson's the best in the world, and it should feel that way, and it doesn't, and it's Ring of Honor's fault. I I 100% agree. It's Tony's fault. Yeah, but same thing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, it... I like, think what is this fatal four way for who yeah, gives a, a fatal shit four for ring of honor title? No yeah, one cares. Don't give a shit about Claudio. And that's totally fucking. There's just too many people on the roster, but yeah, man, I, I, I think he's just staying to do a couple new Japan matches. Like I, I want to see him face Shibata. And I mean, honestly, that's the only, and Okada would be cool, but that those are the only two I like need to see. Um, and then just go back to WWE. Yeah, man. I just I want him to get a tan. He he seems sad right now. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the second hour, Dan? Uh, Soraya promo was amazing. Uh, it was really good. I mean, there's like peaks and valleys. Like I hated when she was talking about like what you don't know what it takes to be a superstar. Like I think the part where she started saying you don't know what it takes to be me was way better. I think it was yeah. a very strong transition. But that first part where it's like you don't know what it takes to be a superstar. It's like a you don't need that. I think the Britt Baker. The line about uh they don't take walk-ins was pretty solid, but then like kind of leaving leading in a little bit too much with the the dentist stuff. Like, all right, we get it, you're a dentist. Like, let's move on. Um, mm. but I think that I think that uh you could tell that there's a lot of emotion like going into it, so it made the promo that much better to me. I thought it was uh pretty solid. Um, I do think that the idea of like you're right, like she a little bit of heel to her, and I don't like that. I think that. Um, the, the when she started talking about like you know she's publicly embarrassed and all those other things, I think the idea should have been like I'm taking that out on you, Britt Baker. Like I'm taking my past four years of frustration out just on you, uh, and that would have sold the match more than you know um, this idea of you know you don't know what it takes to be a superstar. Um, that backstage promo thing with uh, QT and Gang, uh, I 
I don't want to say anything about them. They're all nice guys, but like, fuck, that was boring. Uh, that was miserable. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was just like I'm glad QT got a paycheck, but the, the whole the whole second hour just felt like what this Ring of Honor stuff, man, is just fucking killing them. It is killing them. I think the idea they're trying to establish it, they're trying to bring it in since like a, a like an NXT to it or whatever. But I don't. I think that you're right. Like, there's got to be a different way to do this. Like, because uh, right now it's not working. No, yeah, I, like I mean, the look, they're trying to write a match though. I they're obviously trying to get a show, right? They're trying to get a Ring of Honor show, and I do understand it. You know, if you're trying to get a show, you do need to give it television time on your the show you do have. Um, but boo. <laughs> boy i hate watching uh you like doing business on television like i hate yeah. wasting tv time uh to watch That's you it. try to get a tv deal dude who I, thinks it's that jeff, ass nobody thinks jeff jarrett's the last outlaw i just like it just smacks of like a poor man Shawn michaels on that last run dude, his this promo that promo ones it sucked it's so terrible i don't want to be like but seriously, like, oh, I'm gonna talk about Satin Singh and Barry Braun Strowman. Like, what what's the game here? What are you what are you doing here, Look, champ? A, a, every time they do this, and it's obviously, I, I go, I do, I do think this for a moment. I go, oh, when Ring of Honor does have a show, Jeff Jarrett will be good for it, and good for them. He, he he's he's super capable in many aspects, and that'll be fine for Ring of Honor to have. Uh, but it's not Ring of Honor; it's AEW, and this is ass. And then also to like. One to call out Braun, you're like calling you. You're saying like this is a legitimate giant. It's like no, they're both monsters. Like that's actually true. They're both tall people. That's a fact. So what are you even saying? This guy's not a better wrestler than Braun. He's not a wrestler. So what are we pretending right now? And then you go like banana nose circus, and it's like no one's mad at Triple H right now. Like read the fucking room. I understand he is because what he got fired for Road Dog, right? Isn't that what happened? They hired Road. They got rid of him and hired Road Dog. Oh, I think maybe. Okay. I have no idea. I so think look, I'd have beef. I would have beef. Been in like but... eight companies the last four years, so it's hard. Yeah, to... I mean, you get fired a lot in wrestling, man. Like it seems to be like, <laughs> you know, if everywhere you go, smells like shit. Check your shoes, homie. Like that, that's something going on there. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's it, it is it's crazy, man. I don't know what they're doing. I have no fucking idea. Robert, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel for this Ring of Honor shit? What do you think of the second hour? Yes, it's a train, and it's Braun Strowman. And he's going to beat the entire roster in one match, and it's going to be think fucking the, glorious. As a punishment, give him the choo-choo back. That's what I was saying. He, no, he would like the choo-choo. So, no. Give me a shirt. Yes, make make him have to like wrestle submission-only matches. That would be fun. Uh, the Brit Soraya thing was weird in the sense that like Brit at one point called out the audience, the AEW fans were being fickle because they were cheering her and then cheering Soraya. And then they started cheering Brit after like, so she proved like you're a heel and you prove your point that your audience fucking sucks. Uh, and a lot of the fans there kind of do the back and forth, like Brit's promo to Soraya. Brit's promo to Soraya was a great, babyface promo that's something like in ecw they would always do it's like this is my company you couldn't hack it somewhere else you're gonna come in here and 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 eat my you know my dinner i'm gonna kick your ass and the fans are supposed to love aew and be like yeah fuck you for coming in here and taking it that's a fun heel story but slightly miscast uh you know soraya's personal animosity about it i think the dan's point was made the story work better uh, talking about like, look, I couldn't get work anywhere, and I started revolutions when you couldn't, and 
the 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 pent up animosity should be. I haven't been allowed to wrestle for the last four years. It's the only reason you had a career. If I could have wrestled, I would have finished you off week one, and I would have sent you back to being a dentist. That's the story. Uh, QT Marshall is our Lord and Savior. We all love him. He is the greatest thing on television. Unfortunately, again, the production of this segment with like 11 people as part of this. uh, Very nice guys, but you didn't need 99% of this. And in a weird total production fuck up, they set this up to uh, to build to uh, revolution. And then there was a dissolve where the where the best friends were walking up to Lethal and, and Dutt, but we just saw them a second ago. Like something got screwed up in formatting somewhere. There's no quality control. Uh, there's no you know there's no QC for QT, and this was <laughs> total amateur hour. Uh, but at least we got Trent versus Jay Lethal, which was a fun little like back and forth match. That Jarrett promo. Um, I don't know who this Jeff Jarrett kid is. I know he's new. He's never really been in the business before i know he's a member of the ad free shows network and we mm-hmm. love him like all of our other ad free shows brethren <laughs> and if you hate ring of honor as much as you hate high interest rates go to savewithconrad.com savewithconrad.com it's the jeff jarrett promos of your mortgage you're gonna be thankful it's done quickly um yeah jarrett taking shot like i'm mad at hunter for firing jarrett so now jarrett's on ring of honor AEW. like i don't want to see him there or hyping up Sutton singh it feels very TNA-ish, not impact is like very TNA-ish. And it's just reminding you of failed companies. Uh, Jungle Boy promoting that he's going to be issuing a challenge on Rampage is a hat on a hat. Like if you're tuning in to Rampage because you want to see Jungle Boy's announcement, you have nothing better to do on a Friday night. Uh, I like Moxley and Regal's promo. I like the analogy of like, look, I was kind of an impetuous kid. I was a dick. And Regal, you beat the fuck out of me and straightened me out. Max, I'm going to do the same thing to you. So you're still towing the line without him basically saying like, obviously, Max is still a heel. This is all fake. Like they found a way to thread that needle. I liked that moment. Uh, the the Bucks commercials are, are a little too cute by half that they're still doing the Thanos thing. And they're going to come back at full gear and. Now you're, that pay-per-view is now four and a half hours instead of four hours because they're going to get a whole promo. Uh, Jamie Hayter, Sky Blue, that's the way to build Jamie Hayter. They gave the crowd what they wanted. I thought that was a really smart idea. Uh, you, you're pushing that Tony Storm match uh, without them touching. Uh, if Mike Lawrence were – I'm going to channel the ghost of Mike Lawrence for a moment. There was a moment where they were going to do a Ricky Starks interview, and he got beat up by Lance Archer, who has not been on television in seven and a half years uh, what did Ricky Starks do to deserve this kind of treatment? I think other he's than lo- get him. over every time he's out there, and then Tony Khan constantly cuts his legs out from under him. And like when Ali got beat up by Lashley on Raw, it made sense for the moment. It was a fun thing. This made Ricky Starks look terrible, and they pretend to build up Archer just to have Ricky Starks, you know, probably kill him when they actually do wrestle. Felt yeah, no, really, I really think good. the Starks thing is is a. I think it's. So next week is full gear, right? So I think what we're getting is you postpone the Starks Archer match this Friday on Rampage, right? Uh, because Starks was attacked. Then you have Starks fight Archer Wednesday on Rampage. He beats him, right? Then he has to no, I mean Wednesday on Dynamite. Then Friday on Rampage, he has to fight uh whoever is in, you know, what is it, Ethan Page, whoever he's got to fight next. I don't know who it is. Um, and he beats him. So then he wrestled Wednesday, Friday, and then Saturday he has to fight for the for the opportunity to fight for the title. And he does that too. So he wrestles three times in a week. It's like this big story of, oh my God, he came back from all that. 
then it makes sense. And and yeah, Scott, I'll I'll agree with you as far as the main event goes. It, it's a two out of three falls match. I get it. Didn't really care, and it felt no. weird to not care about a Danielson match so much so Bad that when he point. got hit with the chair. And then later got hit in the head pretty hard by Sammy. I'm like, knowing how fragile Danielson is and how few matches we may get going forward, you hate to see him wasted in a kind of throwaway match here on, on Dynamite that what did this necessarily advance? We knew he was going to beat Sammy. You're not building to any major angle going forward. I guess it was to cover that, you know, Jericho wasn't there because people think he's on the mass Singer. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> there was a you know a lot of other talent that just weren't how featured on the, on the broadcast. perfect is that? How perfect is Jericho doing the mass Singer? It, maybe that's how he got out of the January 6th thing. Nobody knew he was there because he was, he was tr- dressed up. Big parrot. unicorn shows up. <laughs> Why is that parrot shitting on Nancy Pelosi's desk? <laughs> uh, oh, geez. And yeah, it, yeah. R- what's her name? Britt Baker called the audience fickle. And I'm like, we've well, we've only been around for like two years. You know what I mean? Of course... We're fixed. The, you know, like, AEW crowd just likes things. They don't. It's not about like yeah, face heel. It's like we like stuff, and it's like yeah, you know, you have Sammy Guevara as like a heel in the company doing shooting stars on the floor. Like yeah, like the crowd's not really going to be booing a lot of the the villains uh, on the show. So yeah, I mean, just, well, that's how wrestling's evolved. You can't like you know put the genie back in the lamp or right. Whatever. The fans don't shit on Sammy. The announcers like to. They're like, man, everyone really wants to see him get punched in the face. And and having had the privilege of working with Sammy, I can tell you you do get that feeling of you kind of want to hit him in the face every once in a while. Um, he it's means well, it's, it's the, the hair. hair, it's the face. It's, it's kind of the total package. He's the best heel that you would want, except sometimes he forgets when the cameras are not on, you don't have to still do the same, the same gimmick. All right. Well, let's get to everybody's high spot and low spot of the week. Scott, what do you got? Oh, baby. High spot was that New Japan show this weekend. Um, like, main event. Osprey? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, main event was Naito Osprey for the uh, IWGP US title. It was such a damn good match. Oh, also FTR's debut in Japan, which was very, very cool to see. They fought uh, United Empire. That was a great match. There was a great tag match with the juniors for the... Uh, there's going to be a fatal four-way at uh, Wrestle Kingdom for the uh, junior title. So there was a great tag. It, it just felt like a real show that had stakes and that has so are you, happened are you just back so many high times spot, low spot into being like the return of Scott's New Japan Corner? Is that what's happening here? Well, hey, this is what's happening in the world. The, uh, you know, uh, Japan is finally getting interesting again after all this pandemic uh, shit and they're building up Wrestle Kingdom and they're building up this other show. Shota Umino came out and uh, he challenged uh, Osprey which I think means we might get Moxley versus Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom when I really want Omega versus Os- Osprey. But hey, what are you going to do? And low spot? Hmm. Uh, Jeff Jarrett. It's always going to be Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah. I think. No, you know what? It's not even Jeff Jarrett. It's the announcement of that tag match and, and me realizing that that is... Um, exactly that what is- I predicted a week ago. Well, it's it's also it's just it's that tag team in the Ric Flair uh, last match. You know, that's who Flair fought in his last match. It was Flair and Andrade versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. It's not a team we want to see. What is this team? And yeah, we're going to get a moment where Jeff Jarrett hits Sting in the head with uh, with a guitar and Sting won't sell it. And that'll be fun. But Darby and Sting are way too cool 
to be just having these matches that like in a sense feel like dream matches, but they feel like dream matches and you go, Oh, I never thought I'd see that, but that's not what a dream match is. That's a, I never thought I would see that. That doesn't mean anything, (laughs) you know, whatever war is going to happen come uh, December, come this winter, you know, like I never expected that to happen, but it's coming, you know, and, and that's every uh, Darby and sting uh, pay-per-view match. It's never a storyline. It never advances them, but you are going to get it because it's Darby and Sting and they fucking rule. So it's got to happen at a pay-per-view. And here's guys that, uh, you know, don't matter to us. We're going to, you know, I mean, where's Miro? I'm assuming Miro is doing things, right? There's no way you're not using Miro like this intentionally. He He's also on the Mass Singer. He was, oh, a, he was at James's uh, wedding. Oh, That's yeah, about so, it. Yeah. All right, I'll go high spot, low spot. High spot, Teddy Hart has someone to kill before us. Low spot, <laughs> Teddy Hart got a show on Peacock before us. Uh, before me. <laughs> before me. Uh, yeah, so if you don't know, there's a new documentary, which is already brilliantly titled A Dangerous Breed. Uh, and there are, it's a three-parter. I mean, it's going to get into all the allegations, one of which may be murder. Uh, whoa. Bloomhouse is producing it. This is not this is not a um this is not A and E's biography. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this is gonna be I mean, this is gonna be some I mean, this is more in the way this is in the vein of the John Wayne Gacy series. Unbelievable that they're doing this. I it's I, unbelievable that my first thought when I heard this, outside of the, the joke that he got a show on Peacock before you, is that in Teddy Hart's mind, the very first thing he thought was now he can ask more for indie bookings. Like, not that this is going to open up a whole new, like, spotlight into the fuck up of my life. It's now, I can probably ask for more money because the high profile I'm going to get from this Peacock show. You guys got to watch man. some of his YouTube videos. You got to watch some of the Teddy Hart YouTube videos. He has, like, a, like, a, whatever, a very expensive car. And uh, he bedazzled the entire inside of it, including the airbag. <laughs> uh, this is, this is the level of genius that Teddy Hart, I've wrestled Teddy Hart. Fun fact, uh, wrestled Teddy Hart, and it was uh, it's just as weird as you can imagine it to be. Uh, Over under on how many moonsaults he hit on you without telling you in advance is eight. No, I think uh, one. So that's it. This is this is completely sidetracked. Let's go with the story. Me and Trent Beretta wrestled uh, him and Jack Evans at Jersey All Pro once, and they did a move where Teddy hit a backbreaker, and then Jack Evans did the tumbleweed leg drop onto me, like like demolition style, and I took the finish. That was supposed to be the end of the match. Teddy Hart didn't like that Jack Evans hit the coolest move in the match, so he went to the top rope and did a shooting star to pin me because he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't let Jack Evans get the win. He had to be wow. You know. That sounds about right. We had a match. We had a on brand. We had also, him for an oh sorry. Sorry, sorry. Same show. He got beat up by Homicide, and Homicide had a gimmick called the Strong South Thugs, and they stole his shoes as just part of the gimmick. Teddy Hart called the cops legit on homicide for stealing his shoes. <laughs> That's same night. So, oh my, wait a minute, what? Yeah, That's yeah. such good shit. So <laughs> the cops show up in Rahway, New Jersey, and homicide literally has to run out the door because now they are looking for him who has stolen Teddy Hart's shoes. And Teddy's like, I was going to sell the gimmick. It was going to be great. Yeah, it was going to be awesome. And it's like, no, man, like you literally called the cops <laughs> on somebody. Like, you're a real piece of shit um yeah 
All right, that's better than anything any Ted Hurt story I was about to tell. So uh, that's 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 gonna. I mean, what's what's it, it? It is the first time that Teddy has called the cops rather than yeah. them called so on. Only it's on the other side of. There's a Twitter account. Is Teddy Hart still in jail? That's a yes. good one. Uh, follow that as much. As it's can. good and surprisingly informative. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just just so we know, especially when we did the roast of Teddy Hart and we just wanted to check. The good news, it was on Patreon. It cost five dollars. Teddy wasn't gonna be able to afford that, <laughs> so we were we were good. Uh, I love you, Teddy. Miss you every day. Um, Robert, yeah, high spot, low spot. Oh, yeah. Uh, so one of my low spots was the Teddy Hart thing. My lowest, I'll do my lowest spot first. It's a minor low spot, but on Raw this week, uh, Nikki Cross won the 24-7 title and threw it in the trash. And my yes. low spot is the 24-7 title was created because they want USA Network wanted basically the hardcore title, but in a PG environment. And as goofy as it was, having something that you can use as a mechanism to put on uh, male superstars, female superstars, referees, announcers, celebrities, fans. It's a fun thing to have in your creative well, what about arsenal. PG-13, bring the hardcore championship back. You could they, It could be a way to bring back the, the hardcore title, but it was something that was getting people like Tazawa and, and Tamina at least a few minutes of TV time every week. Our truth was making those segments fun. They're quick little, and Pritchard was talking to shows like Let Me Up. Like Those are true. When you're trying to format a show and you can get a minute and a half killed from TV because you're going to do something funny to get to whatever commercial break it is, it's nice to have that there. It's something you can use a lot in house shows. It felt a little short-sighted to get rid of the 24-7 title, and I never thought I would say this. I felt bad for Dana Brooke because she was doing everything she could to get that title over, and they just kind of shit on it, and and that was a, a minor low spot. You got My it over spot, all right. I have, I have three high spots. They're going to be fairly quick, but number one, I love the fact there's these rumors going out there that Cameron Grimes is going to finally make his way to the main roster. Grimes is a, a he's he's a fantastic performer. He's a good guy. He's going to knock it out of the park. He would have been great as a 24-7 champion, so maybe he finds it in the trash, and that's how he gets on Raw, but uh, I think he's fantastic. Uh, another high spot, friend of the show, Pat McAfee, announced he and his wife are expecting a child. His wife posted a very emotional thing about uh, – their trials and tribulations of having a baby. So congratulations to him. And then the the final high spot was, I know I don't talk about crown jewel because I tend to, for more out moral reasons, boycott it for the most part, but Logan Paul did so much for the wrestling business in that match. He delivered a tremendous match. He was clearly over-prepared for it, which is great. You know, guys can go in there and kind of coast a little bit. He was working, he tore his ACL during the match and you didn't know it. And then the moment where he took the phone and took the shot of him jumping off the top turnbuckle to put Roman through the table, knowing how viral that was going to go. The number of people who saw that moment, who don't watch wrestling, have no idea about wrestling, and saw this and thought, wow, that's really fucking cool. And even if a fraction of those people wind up saying, I'm going to go check out the product going forward, that's incredible. And that's the single best use you can have for a celebrity and it's a dude oh, that I really cared about Mike it. Mike Tyson commenting Shibata matches for me. <laughs> yes, there is that. That's the second best use is taking Mike Tyson, who can deliver a punch and look great in the ring for four seconds, is make him talk for an hour. <laughs> hey, he did a good job with the yeah, Shibata match. Good. He did a really good job. You know job. why? Because there was like actual moves he was able to call. I think he cor- he might have corrected um, Excalibur at very, one point. He was very good, man. He's very good. Yeah, so it's yeah but that's it, true. He's good. Wrestling. He does love pro wrestling, but that's yeah. not where you. But Mike Tyson is visually interesting to watch, 
I don't want to just hear him on commentary as a guy on commentary for an hour. You want to have him out there and interacting. And there's plenty of guys in the AW roster to feed to him uh, or just have him lose to QT Marshall like he should. <laughs> what did you, uh, what was your high spot, low spot this week, Dan? All right. So high spot, I have to agree with the Logan Paul match. It's a solid match. It's Logan Paul did a lot. And it was uh, out overperformed. I mean, just under almost Braun, but really like a solid <laughs> from Logan Paul. Um, and then my low uh, is pretty, well, actually also uh, Soraya's promo. I think it was another high spot for me because she kind of came back, established it. And the way she ended that promo was, and made it so strong. Like I was choppy in the beginning, but like, also, she hasn't really cut a wrestling promo in a very long time, so let's just let her have it. And uh, I think that was a good showing. Um, and then my low is that that Jeff Jarrett promo and that Austin Theory Cashman man. Like, but I just can't can't get over how much I didn't like it. Uh, the the Jeff Jarrett promo was embarrassing to an extent. Um, the couple of really good moments he hit, he knew everyone's names, which was kind of surprising to me. Uh, <laughs> but in the same token, like he just wasn't wasn't a great outing. And I think the Austin well, what Theory is he Jr. <laughs> well, you can you can see he looked at Sad and saying like. Uh, here we go. <laughs> and this guy, you're great. Hey, Love you. This guy's a champion. I can't hit him with a guitar. And then that's it. That's his whole deal. <laughs> uh, and then Teddy Hart documentary. Um, I I want to screen it and just watch it because I can't imagine it's it's you're giving him a piece of shit a platform, but you know it's not the first time we've done this. Do you think he's going to work more from this or less? No, no. I can't imagine anyone. Hold on, let me correct myself. In the continental United States, I do not believe Teddy Hart's going to get any good uh, matches out of this. Maybe XPW, but that's a whole different animal. Um, but I, I think that this should put a, a pretty solid stamp on Dope Book Teddy Hart. That's my opinion. But uh, you know anything about the doc at all? I know a lot about the story, uh, but I don't. I don't. I can't really. Sp- I don't want to say anything that's like. Wrestling, okay. In wrestling, there's a lot of talk, but it doesn't mean any of it's true. And I'm not about to get myself sued over some dumb shit. Uh, yeah, no. And, and but, also, I th- I think you know, and you don't have to worry about that. What I think is what's going to happen is Teddy's going to start a a crime podcast after this, after what he <laughs> perceives as his success, and not the the documentary success. And it's a crime will... I wasn't signed. That's the real. That's crime. exactly what I was gonna say. Fuck. It's gonna be him saying he should have been bigger in WWE. <laughs> he's he's going son. to try to solve the case, and he is going to get himself arrested after the first episode. <laughs> I also watched him try and smuggle a cat into the Barclay Center, so I've seen that before too. So he's a he's a wonderful man. What so if OJ finds man. the killer and it's Teddy Hart? That would be. If, what, what if it's Jack Evans? And it's like, oh shit, this is a big swerve. I mean, he could have taught one of the cats to kill. The moonsault those cats can do are pretty impressive. I mean, already the title's a rib, right? What dangerous breed? You think tiger and lion, and then you realize it's just a it's a Russian dancing cat. <laughs> just awesome. a show cat that you know, the dangerous breeds. It's great. Oh, good old Teddy. Hey Robert, by the way, did you notice when um when Nikki Cross threw out the twenty four seven title, she missed the garbage? I did notice that. That That's was the that was the best part of that. That you go, uh, is that intentional or? But other, uh, I mean, no, she why? even tweeted after. She's like, the WNBA is going to try to sign me. I think okay, she because okay, she was remember she was looking up at that point. She was trying to act like she was in a stupor or a daze. So it kind of sells a little bit further that she's crazy and dropped it in the uh, 
in yeah. the in the trash oh. can. I but, do love uh, it getting garbage all over it and becoming the hardcore title, though. Nah. I think that'd be I th- think that'd be fun. I think someone has to have picked it up and then yeah, someone goes to a junkyard to recover it, and it's now uh, the hardcore title. Marty Marty Janetti, Marty. While we're making hot dog salad. Yeah. Uh, all they right. find uh, yeah. Teddy Hart's missing girlfriend when they go to recover it. <laughs> Dan, Dan uh, what do you got to promote this week, sir? Uh, so you can just follow me on social media, Dan Barry, on Twitter and Instagram. I have a bunch of shows coming up. I'll announce them accordingly. Uh, I'm taking this weekend off and going gambling. So but next time, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll have a bunch of shows coming up. Follow me on Twitter. That's the best place to find it. Guys, he's still a wrestler with demons underneath <laughs> all the comedian. Um, <laughs> Mostly demons. Yeah. Robert, what, what do you got to promote this week, sir? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH until Elon Musk completely destroys what's left of this platform. Uh, I'm, I'm begging. It's, uh, it's fucking brutal. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to the Patreon at the $10 tier for something of sports entertainment with I break down raw every week while trying not to have a breakdown. I went into a little bit more depth in there on the Austin Theory thing and predicted how Dan was going to react to it. So you can tune in there and hear exactly how correct I was. Uh, and Dan has a, does a show there every week where he's watching TNA or in your house or whatever fickle thing at the it's moment. It's going to be in your house six. Okay. Well, there it's in your house six. It's probably got a Godwin's match on there somewhere. Does yeah, it? The slot match. Hell oh, this yeah. is the slot Hell match. This yeah. is, that's, that's fantastic. So you really get it. it over. By the way, Robert, now that Twitter's ending, maybe you can, you know, take over our other socials and make them huge. I like could, I, or I could talk to my kids, one or the other. But yeah, uh, this is why Elon needs to really get his uh, his shit together. And then for the the Patreon this weekend, uh, we're doing Dan's Lucha Serial Killer Show. Which, if you've ever heard one of the titles of one of our shows, you're like, this one feels like one to skip. Those are always the ones to wind up listening to because those go off the rails quickly and wind up being a lot more fun. Go back and listen to our roast of Dracula based on our numbers. A lot of you didn't, but that one wind up being a really, really fun <laughs> show. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've got that uh, that Patreon Christmas uh, thing that we're going to make Zach figure out how to actually set this up. So, you know, get on there. It's a blast. And uh, and, and lastly, for, for Scott, if you buy a shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, of ours one of us will give you a call uh i did that uh this past week with uh one of the forbidden dorks and it was a blast so uh keep that in mind for your holiday gift giving if there's someone you like or really don't like uh get him a wrestle Rose shirt robert's kids won't talk to him guys he's looking for someone to talk to by the way <laughs> um i wanted to uh yeah pop this week's patreon i'm really excited about it it's uh i actually did like a ton of research for it uh, the little old lady killer, baby. The El Mata Vajitas. I still can't pronounce it right, but it's a lucha female serial killer. Uh, her story's pretty incredible. Check it out. I'm also going to be opening for Dan Soder this weekend. My dog's fucking wailing right now. Uh, I'm going to be opening for Dan Soder at the Nashville Zanies. Hopefully it's a lot easier than my last Nashville trip. And then I will be at the Comedy Palace in Detroit next weekend. And the week after that, Friday after Thanksgiving, I'm doing a show in Jersey City. If anybody, I'm going to be doing a longer set if anybody's around. So, Scott? Oh, yeah. Follow WrestleRose on all social media. Um, also, I have another podcast, Out for Smokes, with Mike Racine and Sean McCarthy. Uh, two comics. It's a lot of fun. Wait, hold That's on, you, Scott. Yeah, th- th- not to put over another show, but like you can't just breeze past. Like you had a pretty big week this week with your guest on your other pod. 
Oh no, that was like three weeks ago. We're just. Oh, I saw it on Facebook clips. this week that you posted oh, the yeah, clips of yeah. it, but. Oh yeah, Rami that, was on. Yeah, he's a good, uh, good, funny comic. So check that one out. That that post. Yeah, I guess. Rami Youssef, ago. Golden Globe winner. Rami Youssef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, folks, that's us. We'll see you next week with the roast of Sid. Wash your damn hands. <laughs> How do I goddamn turn this record off? <laughs> keep it Zach keep it Zach that's, right. that's... <laughs>